Is there another game that you believe is deserving of <laughs> this kind of remake treatment? And by that, I specifically mean something we'll talk about today is that this is a remake, but it is also a whole sort of thing, a recontextualization. Yeah. So what, what well, other game could get that sort of a thing yeah i mean well we haven't played bonk's adventure yet but <laughs> i mean i do think it's time for the return of bonk uh, -huh, uh, uh -huh. i think bonk stands to be revitalized in the culture um and i think our upcoming episode will prove just that uh -huh. um and that is my serious answer as well in addition to being my joke answer isn't that it's wild both joke answers yeah it is both my joke and my real one on on topic of uh of this week's big or i guess last week's big release tears of the kingdom i mean there were people that kind of said breath of the wild is a sort of revitalization of the first the original legend of legend zelda, of zelda. And it's in its yeah. openness and whatnot and mm -hmm. i mean zelda's always recontextualizing itself right that's yeah kind of it's the always entire... kind of a remake of yeah. zelda yeah right. um but i was thinking about super mario brothers 3 as well i was thinking of like could you get where you're like returning to the same sort of worlds and levels in in the like you know the like the like either new super mario or the 3d world kind of yeah. environments uh-huh giving that but but there's also not really story in three so i don't know that you really get like the the freaky story stuff although you yeah. could you could just decide to get really really final fantasy with it and, and mario has to go kill a god at the end and that's part of it why not yeah that's okay yeah fine um i think the only thing i like about that is if if they kept the nes color scheme yes. because the color scheme to super mario brothers 3 is so weird looking right and just give me that in three dimensions yeah but that would be scary, yeah, yeah. is the thing. Right. That would kind of be a little too scary for children. I feel like they would get kind of thrown by that. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a little spooky. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what Square Enix thinks it deserves <laughs> yeah. a remake besides Final Fantasy VII. Apparently, Final Fantasy IX. Right. Um, which is a little bit strange. And while playing this, <laughs> it made me feel a little bit... This is my second time to play this game. Made me feel a little bit like maybe Final Fantasy IX is just not on that level of deserving no. this well, kind of treatment. Here's here's my argument. Final Fantasy VII, the remake is like, everyone has always been talking about this game and wanting it updated and blah, 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 blah. And that's like the, the sort of social context of Final Fantasy VII. The remake of Final Fantasy IX is, none of you motherfuckers played this game, so we have <laughs> to now reintroduce it to you because you completely missed the boat because the PlayStation 2 came out and you wouldn't play our game. And, and nobody right. recognizes this as the best Final Fantasy. That would be an interesting attitude for a game to have, yeah. for it to be a, like hundreds petty. of millions of dollars, but also very petty <laughs> and not even really like a retranslation of the original events of the game, but just no. kind of them again with bigger, yeah. with bigger graphics and louder music and more blame great idea. on the player. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Give us that. Why not? You know what? Stop with the new games. Yeah. Let's just remake old games for like five years. Yeah. Because I just kind of want to replay the classics, but I don't want them to be even the same game anymore. I yeah. want them to be a different game. You know? I mean, that's what we're doing on this show. Back to back about, remake week. <laughs> yeah. Why don't we go back to the beginning? Give me Pac-Man remake. <laughs> Let's go.
Welcome to the Old Gamers Almanac. I am Hunter Donaldson. I am joined today by my very lovely guest, Matt Martins. Hello. That's me, Matt Martins. Hello. Hi. Welcome. Hi, everybody. It's the definitive ranking of every video game one week at a time. We're here. Mm -hmm. And this uh, is the end. This is the end. This is the this is the big one. This is it a big one. It starts with one. <laughs> it starts we are. with seven. Uh, we are talking about Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, mm -hmm. the 2020 release, uh, and the 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 much sought after thing in general. Final Fantasy VII is a game we've covered on this show before, and I think yes. something we talked a little bit about in that episode is like the nature through which Final Fantasy VII released always sort of meant people wanted it to be remastered. That's just sort of a thing yeah. that has always Why? been talked about. Why did people want it remastered? Why did they want that? <laughs> because Final Fantasy VII is the one, right, that exists actually in between the SNES era and the PlayStation era. Like Final Fantasy VIII is the one where it's like, and then the graphics are going to be more or less like this going forward, even mm -hmm. if they get better. But Final Fantasy VII is like, well, it's a little bit spritey, even though the sprites are 3D, but there's also like Fair. big 3D cutscenes, and it's just the amalgamation of like, it's trying a lot of things and just isn't allowed to graphically do some of the things it wants to do. So everybody just always wanted it again. And then also everybody always wanted the game to get retranslated because, uh, well, not everybody, but like I, I wanted that after I played it. I wished, I wished it had been retranslated basically. Yeah. And guess what? Here it is. This is it. This is that. This is the thing that everybody you wanted. You got it. <laughs> it's also been, it's, it has been retranslated even officially though. Um, there is a version you mm -hmm. can play that Square signed off on that has a, a, a better translation. Yeah. Um, better meaning, of course, worse, actually, <laughs> because this guy are sick. Am I right? Uh, the original Final Fantasy VII translation is uh, what made me a weirdo. So there you go. Um, so to me, I wouldn't change. I couldn't change a thing about it. Uh -huh. um, and then, yeah, here we are. 2020. They decide to release the dang game after you know people had been thinking about it in their brains since 1997 23 people years. have been thinking how cool would this game be if it was better and more and mm -hmm. i think philosophically i think the reason that people did that is because final fantasy 7 gestures at a lot of much larger concepts and ideas mm -hmm. without fully executing on them it's a real ideas masterpiece right where there's a lot of subtle, interesting character stuff happening, but because we're so early yeah. in the journey of bringing story to games, um, it, it gets it got a lot of points at the time just for gesturing. That's all yeah. you had to do was just like actually have ideas and try and get them in there on any level. <laughs> right now, we can fully realize these ideas, mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's always been so interesting to people the idea of remaking Final Fantasy VII as opposed to like eight or nine yeah. where even though we're apparently getting a nine uh those ideas like felt appropriate to the playstation like right. especially final fantasy 8 it feels like a playstation game right and you you don't play it thinking like and we're not fully like doing all this mm -hmm. it's like no we're doing all of it yeah seven is a game where you watch but essentially, it's a, like a puppet show. Yeah. I mean, you're basically watching a puppet show. Right. You're filling in a lot of gaps, a lot of blanks. Uh, characters have, like, really heartfelt, like, beautiful, wonderful concepts built into them. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like in uh, in Tim Rogers' video about Final Fantasy VII Remake. 
they've got toasters for hands. Yeah. Like, there's no getting around that at right. the end of the day. Right. No matter, I mean, people cried when Aerith died, yeah. right? Right. But Aerith is just, the, she's a little, she's a little clay yeah. lady. She's right. not a real person. Everyone has, know? like, two emotions, and it's standing still and jumping up and down, waving your arms. Like, those are yeah. the two, those yeah. are the two things the character models can convey. <laughs> and there was a not good English translation. Yeah. So, like, on top of all of those, like, the people that loved Final Fantasy VII were, were reading between the lines yeah. a lot. Right. They and chose now, to love it. They chose to love it. They they were on absolutely. the hype train for it. They understood the promise of it. And that was enough to win them over where then all the subtleties of everything else worked. Whereas me playing it in 2021 or whenever I played it, yeah. I'm missing those subtleties and I only see the little, the, the things that were promises at the time, not necessarily now I right. view as like, well, it's old tech and old, and bad translate. You know, it's like those those things are too obvious now. But at the time, it, you you could just choose <laughs> to ignore those things, and it was normal. Well, also, you, I mean, at the time, people didn't have the expectation. Like, yeah, exactly. It, it was it was the kind of game they had never played before. Right. They didn't know what what things were going to be like. It was simply the first game to try to deliver this type of experience and get that close to yep. succeeding it was like for the first time people were and and i realize there are other games that also realize this but maybe sure. they were less popular final fantasy 7 was a popular blockbuster hit yeah. that i think communicated to a lot of young game playing people that someday games were going to get you all the way there yeah. and deliver a hollywood like experience right um, except for instead of it being, you know, uh, a bunch of suits deciding what happens, it's a bunch of weird game designers. Yeah. Um, and then also their suits eventually. <laughs> eventually the suits do get a say. The suits uh, do always <laughs> show up eventually, everybody. Don't worry. This game should have had the whispers and also the suits as, as yeah. just members of the, the commentary. Okay, but so then let's talk about Remake more and what Remake just actually is by itself and i think like at the top of this we have to i mean we've already done like a major spoiler for final fantasy 7 like we said the thing we said the big thing that happens in final fantasy 7 so yeah but you all everyone knows that sure exactly that's not, not a spoiler anymore uh but let's go ahead and i think we should just say right off the top here like this is we're, there's going to be spoilers in this for final fantasy 7 remake and those spoilers go beyond spoilers for Final Fantasy 7. Like, even if you played Final Fantasy 7 in 1997 or any time since then, mm -hmm. there are spoilers unique to Remake. And if you, for some reason, don't already know them and care about that, like that, reckon with that now, friend, because we're going to talk through all of it, uh, especially because I really want to, like, actually just talk about it. I feel like I listen to a lot of video game podcasts and mm. with stuff like this, it always gets danced around. And my favorite thing about this show is we're talking about this game three years after it came out which means we just right. get full permission to like do it like we get to talk about anything we want to within it um so do you want to start with the spoilers is that where you know i'm saying I'm, no i'm saying they're just uh, they're gonna come up throughout like yeah, they, i think part of the up. design is some of the these elements so they're just it's gonna be sort of baked into everything but uh final fantasy 7 i would say on the face of it is an action rpg remake of Final Fantasy 7, right? The main yeah. the main mechanical thing is we took Final Fantasy 7, we, we're keeping the beloved materia system which reduces like classes or or jobs or anything like that from other RPGs and says like you can kind of make any character any way you want by 
moving these jewels around on their equipment and that's where your spells and your other abilities are but they've recontextualized that from final fantasy 7 into uh not turn-based combat but instead you have like a host of abilities that are all on kind of one like per character global cooldown uh where uh you have to wait for your whatever it's called to, to refresh ATB. atb uh to then be able to do essentially anything which is like cast a spell or use an item or do one of your unique character abilities and outside of right. that you can just whack on people with your weapon anytime you want you just spam square and hit stuff and that charges your atb faster and that's like the core mechanic of the whole game yeah it, it takes an action rpg uh more similar to like what uh, had been happening with Kingdom Hearts or mm -hmm. even, I mean, if you played Final Fantasy 15, this isn't going to seem like some uh, super weird departure. Right. Uh, but it, I would say this this type of thing to me with a Square game, has, a Square Enix game has never felt better yeah. um, in that uh, you have that fast uh, action and then when you want to give your, you know, your, your, your teammates any orders, time slows down to uh, a halt yeah, and but it's, it doesn't freeze, so it feels I wish nice. It, it feels like did. you're just kind of like I, I wish you it wanted to did freeze. freeze. I I was a little bit annoyed that it wasn't a full pause because there were there were instances where it would have been. I you know I'd like to be able to sometimes take some time to think of a decision, wow. but it forces you. It forces you to I, I move I forward. I love that it doesn't freeze because yeah. it, it 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 keeps things feeling snappy. That would yeah. feel really jerky if you could actually freeze it. Yeah. Um. And I mean, it does slow to such an extent that like, I mean, you have a lot of time. And I mean, frozen. if you, if you really, if you're, if you're finding yourself in analysis paralysis on Final Fantasy VII, you can always pause, you know, well, pause and, you know, write yes. out your plan or whatever. Honestly, it mostly comes down to there were times when like eventually you get this like counterattack move as Cloud where you like, you literally will like, you know, parry and move around them and hit them. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, this is me maybe just wanting to cheat basically, but it's like I wanted you know, a, a character would start lunging at me. I want to be able to pull up the menu, get to that attack, and select it before their attack has connected, and then I do it to them, right? That's not right. really what's, I guess, intended, but that was my thing. But then sometimes they would be so close that I'm watching them frame by frame, you know, get closer, and I'm like, ah, cycle, get to the thing, and then the menu, and it's like, 10 down this list, and I gotta get there really quick, and, you know, it, it wow. would add some tension to my, what I was trying to pull off. You are insane. Why and is I, that insane? Find, why find, is that insane? I'm not, <laughs> That's I'm not insane saying, at all. It's just wild that we'll be talking. How often you say something that I'm just like, would have never considered even once. <laughs> why? I, and it never, never, it never ever occurred to me that I could possibly use the system in that way. And I'm not saying I, it's, it's not an insult. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying that it's like, it's wild how different your brain is. Uh -huh. Like, I don't, I, it really never would have occurred to me to be like, oh, because it can slow down, I can see them start their attack animation, and then I use mm -hmm. the cat. Also, that's the only move in the game. That's like the only that, one that right? does that. No, I, I mean, th there's other stuff, too, where it's like I'm selecting through and not on purpose, but I see the thing moving towards me. And now I re like I need to I, now I suddenly need to heal instead. I was going to do this, but that thing's going to come hit me right now. I need to get my heal off. But now I need to cycle. Right. It's like I would have that same tension with that of like, oh god, I gotta get to the heel in time. I, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't like being rushed in any capacity to get through a menu. And there are there are instances where it feels like I'm rushed because you're still on the clock, right? When you're in the menu, right. you are on the clock, even if it's a very very slow clock. 
Um, yeah. I didn't mean for this to be a whole thing. It's just that I, I, it wasn't no, my no, preference. It, it is, it is a part the of the feeling system. though. It keeps it moving forward, right? You, yeah. But and I'm also talking about like a dad lands thing too, where it's like it's nice to just like set. I mean, you can you can pause like even when you're in those menus and stuff. But like the, the I I like when games stop for me and are not. You yeah. must continue interacting with me no matter what. Um, which this isn't necessarily doing that, but it, it sometimes has that feeling. Well, yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about it in dad. Like, how was it as a dad lands experience? Oh, my God. Well, we we did not give ourselves enough time. This this was uh, listen here, uh, dear listener. We're talking about this entire game and the fact that I was able to play all of it in the mm -hmm. amount of time we had is a testament to how much it grabbed me and got me to keep playing. Right. And by that, yeah. I mean, other games can be great games, but I am unable to make the time for them, right? And this mm -hmm. one, it felt like I, I put major parts of my life on hold <laughs> for two weeks so to make sure I had time to do this. this. Game. I had a couple of sessions of staying up late playing this game much later than I normally would or whatever. Uh, so, like... I needed it and I wanted it and I got it and I, I did every inch of it. It was like 43 hours in a couple weeks, which is not something I'm generally capable of. So right. uh, it, it made it forced me to set Dadlands aside. That's the vibe that this game is coming into this episode with. Why did it grab you? Like, why did why did this game grab you? But the the original really did not. I think mm -hmm. that's fair to say. I'm not saying I'm yeah. not calling you a hater, nope. but it did not grab you. Right. I did finish it. I, we had a lot more time with the original, and then there was a, essentially, eventually, a crunch time for it. But I was like, mm -hmm. by that point, like twenty or so, or I was, you know, I was plenty of hours in where it wasn't a huge, significant chunk to have to get through. This one, here's the thing, honestly, I before Final Fantasy VII remake was announced and released, I can't even say I cared that much about trying Final Fantasy VII. But right. to be totally honest with you this game and this project going forward are conceptually so fascinating to me that it makes me like all of it more. I, I'm mm -hmm. just, I'm really hooked by formalist things. We've talked about this on the show before. I, I like things that are about the medium and things that are about the process of making the thing itself and, and, and right. things that are very about the design choices, not just like, ah, this design is for a higher end. It's like, no, 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 the design choice is about the design choice or whatever. Right. That, that stuff hooks me. So this game, just like, I find incredibly fascinating. And so there was just this push for me of like, I want to know what this is all about. Like, I want to get this stuff in my brain because I want to know what it means to make a game that is a remake of the original, but also a sequel to the original which we haven't talked about any of the plot stuff yet but like this game is in part recreating the events of the midgar sequence of final fantasy 7 right. while also saying we are going to move this story forward in different ways from here on out and even within this yeah. game we're we're making new choices and it's not just like oh we've adapted a book to a movie and we had to make some choices to to change it up they're like we want to make new story choices and we are going to make those story choices a part of the context of the thing so so plot wise i'm just hooked right i want to experience right. every inch of the plot not only that though but once i got into it like 
this game's really good. Like it's really good writing. Uh, and, and that's something I didn't get to experience when I did Final Fantasy VII, the original, even though obviously all that writing is there. They have it in mind, but it didn't it mm. didn't wash onto me, but it washed onto me with this one. And and so meeting the cast of characters this time, they won right. me over every time. I, I fell in love with each and every single one of them. Uh, even the minor, like little minor characters that weren't in the yep. original. I yep. love everybody in this game and i just wanted to be in the world with them and it's uh, honestly since i finished it i'm still thinking about it and i'm it's only been a day since i finished it and i miss playing it i miss being yeah. there that's how it 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 finally feels like i have the nostalgia people have for final fantasy 7 basically like it feels like yeah. that world i just want to be there again that that's what this one gave me this time also it's a great action game right it's just yeah it's just it's good fun, fun. <laughs> it's fun to play yeah, I mean, it's always been the Final Fantasy game with, I think, the strongest uh, cast. And I say that at the expense of uh, all the Final Fantasy VI heads that are mad now. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> but I, I do think that the character dynamics are really strong and yeah. that they the way the characters bounce off of each other uh, and kind of their their relationship sort of Swiss cheese mm -hmm. uh, in that they I feel like they don't forget to have the characters of Final Fantasy VII have relationships with each other and not just the main character. In fact, yeah. sometimes their their relationships to Cloud, the main character of Final Fantasy VII, are th less interesting yeah. than their relationships <laughs> with just between each other as party members. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I completely relate to that. I mean, that's it. In a way, Final Fantasy VII is like they're like they're like the Scooby Gang. They're like yes. elemental. They're they're fantastic in their right. uh, dynamic. Um, and yeah, no, it's it's the writing is very uh, is very well emotionally uh, realized. How, when do you feel like it kind of started clicking with you, pl like plot wise? Like, um, I, I think the biggest thing was okay. I can think of two moments where I was like genuinely, really, really invested. Uh, the first is when you like go with Jesse, Biggs, and Wedge. Uh, on this mission but before that like you go to jesse's house and you're gonna steal stuff from jesse's house and just mm -hmm. like being with the minor characters that are like yeah eh, they're just sort of things like i remembered them from final fantasy 7 but i didn't remember anything about them but like they made them three interesting unique characters and then we go to jesse's house like it just it was good it was just really good writing and a cool place to be and it was also revealing more about midgar as a as a world like as a place mm -hmm. it felt like a place it, we had been in these slums and then we go to this like middle class sort of housing area right. residential area um that stuff felt really good the other one would obviously be i i am a i am a shill for dad stuff and i now am uh, correctly of the opinion that probably others were that like Barrett is like the best dad in video games ever. Just, <laughs> just love Barrett. Just love him so much. Uh, yeah, take that, Joel. Yeah, you're you're dead meat now. Barrett, Barrett has been there way before Joel, right? Barrett twenty years ahead of Joel. Yeah. Uh, no, yep. and 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 what Kratos? Like all these new dad games have nothing on Barrett's been here the whole time. Is is the new yep. take I have? Like no, Game there's dad. nothing. Nothing unique about these new dad games because Barrett's just been here. Uh, yeah, I I almost cried at multiple Barrett scenes because he's just wow, he's just great. Yeah, Barrett is uh, a character that I feel like struggle or is is highlighted the most in the remake because 
the translation for him was not, I would say, very uh, flattering to the writing yeah. that they were doing, and that it feels like the translation for Barrett in the original Final Fantasy VII gets sidetracked on like him being a character that delivers a lot of like jokes that aren't yeah. even necessarily present in the original Japanese script, right? Um, and just generally, just kind of there being a little bit of, I would say, noise or interference with his. Mm -hmm. uh that he's the one that has there is a there's a scene in the original final fantasy 7 in cosmo canyon uh and this is covered uh in uh let's mosey but it's a scene where he's having this really important realization about his motivations mm -hmm. and like it's a really honest moment of him looking at himself and being like listen i'm an eco-terrorist um <laughs> but actually i'm kind of just angry and yeah. i've been covering all that up with all of these like fancy words and stuff mm -hmm. uh but actually i've just been upset i'm just an open wound yeah and then the tr the english translation of this monologue is do i even got a to go on <laughs> uh because it was a, a it's a mistranslation but also it's just a typo yeah <laughs> um, so yeah that's something uh so barrett definitely is they do bear they do yeah. barrett a lot better yeah uh in the remake um yeah i so we're kind of we're kind of already into the story stuff yeah um i do feel like yeah the barrett marlene stuff is very interesting um and but also like the side the side characters also them resonating like yeah. which side characters do you feel like really hit for you uh andreas i would die for i will kill and die <laughs> for andreas yeah, yeah. <laughs> but your dancing partner uh yeah i i mean really everybody in wall market is really great but i mean especially andreas stood out um and the rest are just all good, right? There's the, what's her name, Merle, Marl, um, something like that. She's yeah, she's old, fun, old lady. There's yeah. the there's the old uh, woman with all the hiking gear on that has a fun story thing that happens with her. Um, yeah, I don't know. Every like they're all just good. I I think I have an issue. I have a I have a mental block on older RPGs and. Uh, as I've been exploring these other RPGs and stuff, uh, which I still have not done very many, but as I've been continuing to explore them, what I've realized is Pokemon ruined me uh, for old mm. RPGs. Because in old RPGs, you go around, you interact with random people, they tell you things about the world, right? And right. I think I've always treated that like, well, it's a shallow thing. Nobody actually has anything to say of any import or meaning or any, like there's nothing to get. Because in Pokemon, you go around and they're just like, Caterpie's my favorite Pokemon. Do you like shorts? And it's like there's nothing. There's very little, uh, I think, tangible world building in Pokemon people that you can just go talk to. Right. And yeah. that's not true and i go into it with that expectation of like there's not i'm not gonna get it i i, I glaze through their text without like stop listen to what they're saying think about what right. that means you know like i just don't even give it that uh right. and because this game is not i mean you know most you know it's, it's mostly cutscenes and stuff you you get more out of it i will say <laughs> on on that note just one funny thing is how badly uh incorporated just people standing around can kind of be which is to say like the code of the game is like a, a a new seat you load into a new area and they're like when you walk up to someone they should probably say something uh and the yeah. way this works is you load into a heavily populated area and 15 people all talk at once loudly yeah. about just various things and that's uh irksome but but then after that like once you're just like walking past people it's fine but i also had like i, I always play with like all captions on uh yeah. and and to it's have paragraph. that it's horrible like the whole left side of the screen is just a giant wall of text suddenly that you can't catch all of 
Yeah, I will say, I mean, this is a bit of a nitpick, but one one thing that I think Final Fantasy VII Remake is like a really good example of that is not a great thing <laughs> is the separation in uh, resources allocated to player characters versus NPCs. <laughs> yeah. The NPCs sometimes in this game, they just don't even look like they're in the same game as yeah. the player characters. Yeah, they yeah. just look they're so... horrible character and models. And I get it. I get it because yeah, they yeah. were going ham yes. on Cloud and Barrett and Tifa. They wanted them to look so good. Yeah. But like you can make them look too good <laughs> if you don't have time for all these other. I think of uh, there's a character that you meet early on in uh, the way the way the structure of the game works is a lot of very linear uh, chapters, yeah. and every once in a while, like, every so, uh, like, three or so chapters, there will be, like, a, a hub area and, like, a side quest zone that's yeah. more open to exploration. Right. Um, there's this guy uh, that you meet in the first hub zone. Uh, his name is Weimer, <laughs> and uh, he just has a little hat on, and he just looks like a PlayStation 2 yeah. character. Like, it's yeah. just really rough. They all as... look like they're not even from Final Fantasy is the problem. Yeah. They look like a different art direction. They look like they are from... I don't even know Mass Effect or something like they look like they're from a different universe entirely. Yeah. So like it, it just depends on what the what the character is for. Sure. If they're for a side quest zone, they are probably not well realized. Yeah. Um, sometimes like the art direction can kind of spoil like there's this part. So in Wall Market, which is like kind of a legendary part of the game, Wall Market is the red light district of Midgar. Right. Um, there's an important sequence where you where Cloud has to wear a dress uh, in order to sneak into a Mafia Don's mansion. Yeah. And the first time you walk up to the Don's mansion, you're greeted by uh, two guards. One of the guards looks like a crappy whatever side uh -huh. character, and the other looks great. Like, there was a lot of resources <laughs> poured into him. Yeah. And right away, the first time I played this game, I saw that guy and was like, he's going to be important. Yeah, exactly. he looks like he's supposed to be here. Yeah. He's <laughs> supposed to be here, so therefore, we are going to be hearing from him more. And you do, eventually. It does take a while, but you do eventually yeah. hear from him more, right. in fact. Yeah, that's hilarious. Um, Yeah, I, I want to hear from you, Hunter, about the first... This was your second or third i don't know this was your second, second, second time play playing three. this game but you the first time you played it was when it came out i remember we had like a group thread we have a, we have like a friend discord and you and our yeah. and son were both playing it and we're like you know basically screaming through it like would send screenshots yeah. and like freaking out and stuff yeah i want to yeah. hear more about that experience as the lifelong final fantasy 7 fan than getting this game right what like what did this mean in first on the first pass yeah, so I would say the the way it kind of worked out historically was I, you know, fell in love with the with the PlayStation trilogy and then fell in love with the whole series. Yeah. Um and then me like everyone else fantasized about there being some sort of Final Fantasy 7 remake and I de there are definitely times where I thought about it way too much. Uh there was the time that they released that movie Final Fantasy 7 Advent Children mm -hmm. uh which was not good. I did not enjoy watching that. Um, and I started just thinking like, ah, they're never really going to do it. Like, yeah. yeah, they're going to like every once in a while come around and be like, hey, remember Final Fantasy 7? Buy Dirge of Cerberus, you know, <laughs> buy some crappy off offshoot game. I, we should that, cover like, that game someday. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not necessarily saying it's a bad game. It's yeah, yeah. interesting. It's, it's just a why bad is game, that but it's interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just didn't I didn't appreciate my buttons being pressed in that way. And yeah. I remember when they actually announced. Um, that they were actually finally doing the remake, I didn't really think much of it. Because mm -hmm. in my head, I was like, 
there's not a lot of financial incentive for it to be good, right? It, yeah. It's going to sell like hotcakes. Oh, yeah. So it, imagining that it was going to be like a labor of love mm -hmm. seemed like pretty far-fetched. And even up until the point where I have it, I'm kind of feeling that way because I'm aware that, oh, well, they've only redone the Midgar section, which is not a whole lot of game. Yeah. So I imagine there's going to be a lot of filler, uh, that that filler is not going to be very well written and that it's going to be... And there are times when playing the game, I want to be fair, where I do feel like things are stretched out a little bit too much uh -huh. where you can feel like... there. It's not so much um, with story stuff that they've added yeah. because I actually feel like all the story stuff they've added is really smart um, and does actually flesh the world out in a meaningful way. But sometimes, like, I would just feel like there's too much combat, like the that uh -huh. the balance of combat to story mm -hmm. gets a little bit wonky at times um so i will say that like did feel like something that ended up being represented in the final product but what i didn't expect was that they really zoomed in like with a microscope over every single even tiny minor detail yeah. of final fantasy 7 and that they really truly loved it like it actually kind of it, it feels really special to play this game because Everyone working on it is very much in love with this world mm -hmm. and this place and this game, and it and it actually feels it doesn't feel cynical like yeah, those other right. uh, those other projects did feel. Yeah. Even if you know some of those were like weird risks, and I'm not saying that like Crisis Core is some horrible game or something like that. It just felt like in the past, Final Fantasy VII was used as a shorthand to try and get me to buy products that I wasn't necessarily interested in. Right, and so therefore remake actually being as good and interesting as it is came as actually quite a surprise yeah. um i mean i knew when i bought it that things like the initial mako reactor sequence were going to get me pumped and i was going to be excited right. sure what i did not figure was that there was going to be like new stuff i would like yeah because like ultimately in my head final fantasy 7 is a game with a uh, strong character characters but not necessarily a, a the strongest plot uh -huh. um and instead it seemed like what they did was like listen let's just emphasize that character stuff like right. even more and make that and the plot. maybe maybe change the plot yeah, like right. maybe the plot doesn't need to be the same yeah and i feel like they're really clicked into like what is appealing about this which is these people yeah. and not Oh, the world is going to be destroyed by by this uh -huh. guy Sephiroth, and he's crazy. You right, know, right. like that part feels to me is taking a bit of a backseat yeah. with more the understanding of like what the possible repercussions of all the weird Final Fantasy logic will be on these people yeah. who you love. Which is, right. if they continue to write the rest of the project this way, it might be the best writing in any Final Fantasy game. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, I love that there's still hesitation. Like we, we've been given a great game, but the whole world agrees like that the next one could still screw the pooch. Like there's still Absolutely. a possibility of of anything being like shield out. I, I want to talk more about because there's there's two factors to this thing, right? Is it's a remake that is doing a whole lot of fleshing out, right? Which is like the the Hobbit trilogy of films was that sort yeah, of thing, right? Yeah, we're we're right. we are adding stuff that technically existed sort of in the background or you could say existed, but we're not dramatically changing things we'll talk about the stuff that's changed later but i think there's a lot to talk about in how they are trying to flesh this stuff out and for me my favorite part is how they like 
I'm thinking about my major gripes with Final Fantasy VII, things that just like kind of put me off. And mm-hmm. one of the ones I remember feeling is like that the monster design was just so uninspiring to me, even though it's like a bunch of crazy monsters. It never felt cohesive to me. It never felt like a world. Uh, it just felt like, right. I don't know, and then there's this thing, and then there's a house, and then there's this weird serpentine caterpillar snake fish head thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it was all nonsense, and um, this game, it it feels like Remake heard everything I had a little issue with and was like, well, let's make that work then. Like, let's just make that work perfectly. And so then in, in Remake, you, every enemy you encounter is, like, logical for the area you're in, even when it's a completely nonsense kind of enemy type and they're like introducing every enemy type you see in midgar but it's just that recontextualization of everything mm. that like for me makes it work right like even the hell house which is like a completely goofy nonsense it's hilarious it's good i don't actually have an issue with the hell house specifically but right. in this one they put it into like a literal sort of carnival coliseum area right. and when when it's put there you're like well yeah this place has anything and and they've spent like three or four rounds of this coliseum thing building up the idea of the people running this are cheating they'll throw anything at you it could be crazy right. and then you get like the craziest thing you've ever seen like that all works and then there's like you get into hojo's lab later in the game and you're like experiencing a bunch of crazy robotic monsters and stuff and it's like well that all of that just makes sense uh in right. a way that it just hadn't previously and even taking some uh monster types and sort of i think they reworked some of them like there were some things that i definitely saw as monsters that in this are like no it's it's a soldier but like a different kind you know he's he's wearing a different kind of set of gear or whatever he's doing a right. different thing um so for me like e- it even made combats better because i felt like uh when i played final fantasy 7 not only am I just like still trying to work out how I feel about turn-based combat, but it felt like the turn-based combat was a completely separate world from the rest of the game. You right. would just suddenly get ripped into a randomized combat against enemies that don't make any sense, and it just felt mm-hmm. like two things at the same time that weren't that right. weren't cohesive. And in this one, everything is made to be cohesive for you, and I just I love that. I think that's part of why people wanted this game so badly mm-hmm. is because Final Fantasy VII does that over and over again yeah i mean it has like so many different modes of getting you the the visuals of this world and they're not all like one-to-one ratio on top of each other so i feel like it's always been yeah i kind of just wish this was like because i mean think about the transition from uh you know cloud with he's all chunky and Uh he's goofy looking and his, his spiky hair is barely realized to Oh, okay, well, now you're in the combat mode, and Cloud actually looks like a completely different guy. <laughs> like, I mean, it just doesn't even look like the same person. Yeah, right, exactly. Basically. You get that it's supposed to be the same guy, yep. but what I'm saying is that all of that dissonance yes. meant, oh, well, someday this can all look way more seamless. Together, yeah, it can all yeah. it can all work together. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um. Well, I, I don't want to get into the, like, crazy stuff yet, but I feel like something we haven't talked enough about is some more mechanical stuff. Uh, yeah. Just, just the, the fun of the game. And so that's another thing I want to get your temperature on, uh, especially, like, with how Materia feels in this game versus the first game. Um, and, and if yeah, you felt so... like it did it justice to the system or whatever. 
So Materia definitely feels like it's less important mm -hmm. in Final Fantasy VII Remake than it is in the original Final Fantasy VII. It is no longer some sort of like mind-blowing uh -huh. innovation in how um, we can organize the characters via like their class or job system. Yeah. Um, and because of the emphasis on the action RPG elements, I feel like materia kind of takes a bit of a backseat in this one which i think is ultimately fine um the characters the characters have like whole new systems to interact with like right. for example the stagger system which i love and frankly <laughs> find to be like kind of the star of the entire uh, game mechanically uh -huh. um in that every character has a health bar they also have like a bar underneath that you can fill by doing certain things a lot of times uh, it's a bit has a bit of a puzzle aspect to it where Let's say it's a, a flying monster. Well, it might be weak to lightning, meaning yeah. if you use your lightning materia on it, then it will enter a state called pressured. Pressured is different from stagger, but pressured means it's been interrupted. It's not necessarily doing anything. And if you hit it right now, as hard as you can, it will fill the stagger me meter. Mm -hmm. If the stagger meter fills completely, then it will just sit there for a long time Meanwhile, you do like 160% damage yeah. that you can even increase to something like 200% or even even more than 200% yeah. um, in order to just do whopping amounts of damage. And mm -hmm. I would say most of the boss fights that are interesting to me are the ones where you don't really think about the HP meter. You're just trying to stagger as many times as possible. And then right. once stagger uh, it occurs, you just go to town on it. Yeah. Um, and I really like the kind of puzzly design of the encounters and the monsters um, that kind of enable you to interact with the stagger system right. in that way. Right. Now, as far as where does the identity of these characters come from, I feel like the materia system has less of an influence than it did in the original um, because each character comes with its own set of combat abilities mm -hmm. that are, there. there's maybe, there's maybe too many of them. I would take that criticism as like, yeah. the, you don't, most, some of these abilities are redundant um and unnecessary but they do a lot i would say to define what the purpose of each character is mm -hmm. um and that heavy lifting is just augmented by the materia right right so you can shift True. things up a little bit you could say you know what i want cloud to sort of have all the attack materia for some reason so he's also sort of a battle mage yeah um but he's already got all this other stuff he could be doing too so right. to me it's like like They've, they've really leaned into the idea that you have characters like Barrett and Aerith, and they are kind of your wizards. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you have Tifa and Cloud that are more of like your rogues and your warriors. Yeah. Um, and that maybe it's not as just open to whatever kind of setup you want to come up with. But to be honest, even though the original Final Fantasy VII was, was more open, I still like would lean into what the, what the point of that character was yeah. in designing it as far as materia is concerned. And I feel like the materia also is like a little less programmable. Mm -hmm. uh, there's way less blue materia in this one. And the blue materia way that less. you get, I find is like not super interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I I I don't love I love the combat system of this game, but Materia does feel like it's in a slightly weird place as yeah. being this thing that has to be included because of the legacy of Final Fantasy VII, and it really wouldn't be the same experience without Materia. But at this point, I'm not sure it's really justified itself. Yeah, like a, as far as the way the original did. The original it was like here's this new system and it's wild and it's crazy, yeah. and you're gonna kind of feel like. 
I'm I'm really chopping up every every classic tabletop role playing uh you know type of character and rebuilding them in these weird kind of hybrid systems. Yeah. Whereas now it's like, I don't know. I mean, most of the time when I'm playing cloud, I just use triple slash yeah, over exactly. and over and that's exactly. what he does, you know, like he's a triple right. slash guy. And well, that's mostly what he's about. Yeah. I, to me, the game feels like the economies are off and it's like, as if, as if the action was heavily considered and the economies were not, the economies were yes. left by the wayside because the economies there's two that I have an issue with. The first is AP. To use any ability, you have to have ATB built up or whatever, right? Um, and AP is the leveling up of your materia. Materia, um, yeah. So every single thing, your character moves, your spells that you can cast, and your items are all on the same cooldown. So I have to make the choice. Do yeah. I do triple slash or do I use... Uh, a major potion or whatever you call them uh, or do I use my Curaga spell right that, sure. that that's yeah, an yeah. active choice and it's going to cost me to not choose the other two things uh, in right. some in some way and right. like that should have a push and pull but it mostly means items are useless if you can find a way to avoid them and more than that it makes for me and my playing experience and maybe this is I, Hunter and I have talked a lot about this in the last like week or so and there's there we don't have the same experience necessarily, but I'll just speak to mine is I just felt like MP was way off base. I had a desire to use green materia, which are like all of your various types of spells, but mm -hmm. it felt like I never had enough magic to do that. Like it just I, that I wanted, you know, I would love for a character to be a mage, but they're going to run out of magic within like a few moves and then I'm going to need to use an ether and then I'm going to run out of ethers. And like it, it was a balance that just seemed out of whack and mm -hmm. i don't know in even in saying this you make like buku bucks like you just make so much money in this game yeah, so you, you could always buy more ethers but i think it also comes down to the idea that ethers are super inefficient um and and turbo ethers are much harder to find and whatnot uh and to me it just felt like it's way too costly to try to use an ether in battle, right? It's just like that. Right. It's costing me one of my AP moves to just get my magic back to do the spells the game wants me to use. Uh, at, whereas all of these other crazy abilities that my characters have are free. They're just, they, I just get to do them. Even in the context of like, I can get some materia that give me free healing spells. And, and, and it just seemed like the game was pushing you towards, you got to choose all the free stuff. You, cause, cause everything else is essentially a waste of your own time. If you can do a healing spell that's free, that's one action for the cost of two. Whereas I didn't need to do a cure and then an ether to get my magic back. I can just use right. prey and prey works on everybody or whatever. And it just felt like within the materia, there was wild imbalances of good and bad materia, basically. Uh, and and for me, I would have liked the system to felt more open. And I felt like that was them being beholden to like RPG mainstays of like, well, there's got to be items. There's got to be material. These are the material that need to be in the game or whatever. Right. And it just felt like the spells weren't uh, crafted enough to be like balanced in a way where I would want to bounce around using them a lot. Uh, and on top of that, I just I have an issue with like this is a normal thing so this this is a mat issue but the idea especially like when it comes to bosses uh that like i'll go into a boss with like a loadout and then i'll assess that boss and learn oh they're weak against ice well i didn't already have my ice spell equipped so i don't get to i don't get to use that i don't get to make that part of my mm -hmm. stagger thing or whatever i could just die reset load up the right materia and go into it but i always have an issue with that like prep 
thing. I what I'm always fishing for is an RPG that gives you the opportunity to like learn about the upcoming boss, and it like basically is like a little mystery for you to un unpack what the what the solution is going to be, rather than the like, right. well, go just do the boss, fail, and then come do the right thing. Like I wish it was. A, a sort of more story incorporated thing but that's what kind of constantly annoyed me is it felt like i just never had materia in the right place to the point where it really shines that you should just use the abilities like just use the other stuff basically it came back to just use all the free stuff because it's too complicated to decide which of these green spells to level up and which thing is going to do it and, and i think the the leveling of some of the materia was like out of whack i mean I had some pink materials equipped the entire game and they still didn't max out at the end of the game. And I just think that's weird. I think it's really weird that my MP ups weren't max level by the end of the game. I mean, I, th I think that's mostly because they want you to play the game again. again they want you right. to play it on hard mode they, they, to finish up your, you know, your, your loadout or whatever. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, so I will, I will, I agree with you to a certain extent. I think that the material organization menu is like really kind of rough and, not super helpful or useful. Yeah. Um, I will say I was able to build by about mid game. I was able to build a loadout on each character that did not require very much tinkering. Yeah. Um, and I could just kind of ride that out through the end of the game and not feel like, Oh, I've run into this boss and I don't have what I need. Yeah. I always felt like I had what I needed. Now this is my second playthrough. So that was, there are some things that I learned about the game by playing it. Uh -huh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that overall, if any game tells you you can do something for free, you should probably do that instead <laughs> right, of the, right. the thing that costs stuff, yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, and there is an aspect to this that I feel like is just kind of been lost in translation, which is like, originally the way I understood the Final Fantasy VII materia system was the more, especially like green materia, which is like your classic magical materia that you put on a character. Well, you actually make them weaker yeah. uh, and they get better at magic stuff. So if you want to use Cloud as a warrior, you probably shouldn't put a bunch of green right. materia on him because he literally will have like less health. Yeah. Um, they took that away mm -hmm. in this system where now materia only does like good things for you and it's sort of just an opportunity cost thing. You know, like if you put green materia on, like, yeah, sure, they'll be better at magic stuff just a little bit. They each get like a point per, mm -hmm. but it doesn't take anything away. Yeah. And I think with the with the penalties, while that's like kind of a bummer, I think it did something to kind of guide the strategy around materia. Yeah. Because it sounds to me like you kind of prioritize the greens a lot, the greens and the purples at least. The purples um, for sure. Well, the, the issue is I chose to not prioritize the greens because it seemed too costly oh. to choose to do that. And so then by the end of the game, I didn't have like, I had two leveled up greens and that was it. I had fire and ice and I hadn't, I just chose to not mess with anything else because I was oh. too focused on putting almost every purple I owned on every character because i was like these things take forever right. to level i need them going right now and i was like so focused on leveling material game and then by the end of the game none of it like so much of it wasn't max level like it just felt disheartening and you're right it's because they want you to play hard mode that's just annoying to me that it's like really i wanted right. to feel like i did it all like i wanted to feel like i got my characters right where i wanted them um right. and it never was quite there to th the flip side of that though i think what is amazing about this game is now I did, you, you, you said you sort of like had each character have their materia picked out and just like, it was sort of locked in for that character. You had enough yeah, materia. minor adjustments, right. but yeah. I was swapping stuff around a lot. And what I liked is the design of the game really pushed, pushed me to, uh, 
to move stuff around because I think my favorite thing from an also story perspective is how much this game moves your characters around. And in Final Fantasy mm-hmm. 7, the original, it's annoying because when you lose a character, their materia is just gone and you can't pull yeah, it off of them. them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And like really awful things would happen. But this game, obviously that's not the case. And more so than that, the game is really invested in these action mechanics. So it's like this chapter is the Barrett and Tifa section. And then here's the cloud and Barrett section. And then here's the cloud mm-hmm. Barrett and Tifa section. And then here's the cloud and Aerith. Se- and it's like, yeah. they force you to try every little there's at no point in the entire game. Do you ever pick your party? You you don't select your party for the game. It just right. gives you who you've got and you've got to know how to use all four of the characters. And I think that's the one part that makes the materia shine if you are moving stuff around. I, I had to suddenly think, well, who's my backup healer? I don't have Aerith. I got to have, I got to move my my main cure spell onto somebody else or whatever. Like, I, I was shuffling things around based on who the loadout was. And I enjoyed that. I liked moving the stuff around uh, to fit the new team or whatever. Yeah, it still, it definitely still delivers, like, uh, it scratches some sort of strategy game itch within Final Fantasy VII. I just also kind of wonder, like, how like you, how much of the game you could complete, yeah. not really even having anything to do with doing that. nothing, yeah, doing nothing, yeah, that. like literally just being like, I'm gonna ignore like most materia, yeah. Uh, I wonder how well you could do the game. I I feel like I I could do all right, especially yeah. considering like the more you really pay attention to what uh, the the abilities of the characters gain, like just from their weapons. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the game is just telling them to use those things, right. basically. Right. So, but, I mean, I love it. I love, I love the new system. I and I think with Materia, I think there's a lot of room for improvement mm-hmm. uh, in the future games. Uh, yeah. So that is exciting. Right. Um, that that they that yeah. they have that opportunity. Well, dang. Uh, I think that's a way to transition into talking about what's next, and and we can talk about some of the bigger story stuff of this to also get there. But just just mechanically. I am excited for the idea that it it's interesting what they might choose to do at the start of the next game, right? Like is 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 there a working theory that like I might be able to take my save from this game and carry my materia over? Are we going to get reset? Are we going to feel, you know, are we going to is the game going to start with us just at like a baseline level 30 with a bunch of materia? I just don't know how they're going to handle yeah. the second act of this story starting, you know? I I would be really surprised if you imported your save mm-hmm. from the last game. I just I just I frankly I I would put money down that that isn't how it works. <laughs> Interestingly, um, mostly because I'm sure. So so there is. I'll th- I'll throw this out here. Um, they could just have Yuffie steal all your materia. Oh yeah, uh, and that's how they explain it <laughs> plot wise. Uh, and I would not put it past them yeah. for them to do that did you finish um, integrate you were gonna play it did you get to no it? i so i did i did not play the dlc okay. which features uh yuffie specifically um i i just had i just had other things to do yeah. but um and i i will probably play it in the lead up to the release of rebirth um but yeah i i definitely recognize the story potential there for them to sort of reset everybody i don't know how they do that again for the third game yeah uh but yeah, I also could imagine them being like, we're just not even really going to address it. Uh, here's how you start. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah, you are like level 30. 
uh, you have a few materia, but you mysteriously don't have all your materia right. from the last game and you're starting over. Yeah. I, I could see it going either way. They're either going to stress about it or they're not going to stress about it at all. <laughs> it won't even be considered. Uh, in my opinion. Um, uh, and they're definitely going to want new people, like they're going to want it to be new people friendly. So yeah. there's going to have to be also like it is going to have its own jumping on point, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Also, it's only on PlayStation 5. So like that's ridiculous. If you played it on the PC, you're, there's no gonna, there's yeah, not going to be a safe true. transfer there. Even your PS4 probably is not going to successfully transfer that save. I have to get a PS5. <laughs> I mean, wait, we're also talking in a context of this thing is supposed to come out like this end of this year, but I don't I, think either uh, of the people on. on this show believe that at all. <laughs> I don't think maybe, maybe next spring, arguably later than that even. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know when, if ever, anyone has ever announced a release date for a video game a year out and yeah. it actually hit that date. Right. I'm not sure. Has that, has that ever happened? <laughs> ever? In ever? Yeah. I, I just no. don't think that that is something that happens. So what, yeah. I don't even know why we go through the motions right. of doing that. Right. Like why do, why do like, any of us buy into it anymore? It doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah. I mean, it's they just say like, ah, oh, it's coming out here. And it's like, okay, buddy, I, you know what? I just wish I could sit everybody down and be like, you don't have to keep doing this. Right. You know what I mean? You don't have, you don't to, have to give me a fake things. date. Like, just just, just give me a real date whenever you got one. Yeah, just just don't worry about it. Yep. You don't need to. And I guess it's all for like investors it's or whatever. So that's probably yeah. it's just for money people <laughs> uh, to trick them. Because they're the most trickable, I yeah. feel like, on this. So there you go. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's. I think it's time that we talk about uh, sort of the end of this game, the closing chapters, yeah. where it ends up. Um, it does some wild stuff. Yeah. Um, it, we haven't spoiled very much, actually, in this discussion thus far, yeah, but we will surprised. spoil now. Yeah. Um, so the entire point of Final Fantasy VII Remake is that it has a sort of character in it that is meant to be sort of a stand-in, I would say, for fans of the original game. Mm -hmm. People that want this remake to be super faithful to the original. Right. So there are these weird shrouded figures that kind of, they're like ghostly. They're called the Whispers. They show up anytime something slightly different is happening in the story. Yeah. And they show up and it seems like they're trying to, to maintain the original's purity. Right. You know? Um, and at the end of the game, basically, Cloud and friends kill them. <laughs> uh, so there's the stand-in for you, and then Cloud kills you. Yeah. Uh, and with the idea being that now that you're dead, uh, the story can possibly go in different directions. And and it's very... This is not a read. Sephiroth basically says it verbatim yeah, right. to you at the end of the game. That yeah. now the story... <laughs> And go in new directions. I have the line. It's yeah. that which lies ahead does not yet exist. Yeah. That's what Severoth just tells you point blank. Now, I, there are questions about this out there, essentially, because there, you don't kill all. They're called whispers. You don't kill yeah. all of the whispers. So in theory, the games are going to continue potentially this this plot element a little bit of like, maybe. The, like there are maybe more whispers and what not. And more importantly than that. Uh, Sephiroth and Aerith like know about them like they're they're aware of the whispers and Sephiroth knows like the idea more than anything is actually that this is a sequel and this sequel takes place in a possible alternate dimension that Sephiroth mm -hmm. has gained access to and Sephiroth is aware that in Final Fantasy 7 yeah. Cloud and the team win and so Sephiroth yeah. is coming into this new universe to change things so that he can win instead. 
Right. Obviously, one of the things that uh, you might be changing is the whole Aerith dying part. <laughs> or it's all a big fake out to trick you and get you again with the same joke. <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows what they're going to do? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there are moments where your character has a flashback, but uh -huh. it is not a flashback. It is a flash forward uh -huh. to stuff that happens later in the game. So it's it's all very, I would say, obvious. And the, the yeah. multiverse aspect of it is established uh, very plainly in the wildest way to me. It's one of the weirdest <laughs> things, things that happens in the game. Towards the end of the game, you start seeing flashes of this character named Zack. Now, yeah. if you've played Final Fantasy VII, you know Zack is a very weird character that almost isn't in the game at all, yeah. but is uh, super important, especially if you want to talk about this game on the internet with other freaks. Yeah. Uh, so Zack, uh, who I will not... I, I don't want to really spoil him in, in full... Uh, but he is supposed to be dead before the the story of Final Fantasy VII uh, occurs. Yeah. So towards the end of the game, for no particular reason, <laughs> you get a a flashback or what you think is a flashback to Zach, uh, who is with Cloud at this time, and they are about to be executed uh, by some Shinra police types. Mm -hmm. um, and instead, Zach uh, kills them all, which actually might be what happens before. Uh, but the idea being that Zack and Cloud are outside of Midgar and Zack is going to die carrying Cloud to the gates of Midgar. Um, and you see this scene happening. And then there's a little piece of trash of empty potato chips <laughs> that are being... The, the wind is sort of uh, uh -huh. uh, pushing them around. And, and, it, and it flies towards the camera... And it, and it flies right up to the camera to where you can see the label on it for two seconds. And on that label is a picture of a dog. This dog is named Stamp. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he was in the original Final Fantasy VII at all. Please yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, because I remember being like, I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, Stamp is this dog that has been referred to many times in the game, and you've seen lots of images of Stamp. It's actually a way that, that Avalanche, the eco-terrorist, uh, communicate with each other is by dr doing graffiti of this dog. Well, in this picture of Stamp, he's different. He's a different breed of dog. <laughs> he's a different kind of dog. And that is how they let you know that this is an alternate universe oh that God. you are seeing. With the idea being that perhaps Zack does not die in that universe. Now, the universe you're seeing is not the same one yeah. that you're playing in. So I'm not what even sure. What is its relevance? We don't know. Why? Like yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why we're being shown that, <laughs> but it's definitely for a reason. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, in, I would say in a way, Final Fantasy VII Remake is the Into the Spider-Verse yeah. of yeah. video games, right. basically. Man. So be prepared for some, you know, it's everything, everywhere, all at seven, basically. <laughs> Uh, and that's what we'll be doing, I guess, for the in rest the of the series. And it's exciting, but it's also a little bit, disappointing i think because we're indulging in this like kind of very of the moment uh kind of hollywood-esque thing yeah of there being multiverses my fear with this is that we're getting the second game possibly beginning of next year i bet I, that's my that's my bet it could be end of next year even yeah third game what probably 2028 mm -mm. something like that yeah if by the time we get to the third game, it might feel like, yeah, man, we've seen like we did no joke, like thirty multiverse yeah, movies. Right, it became very popular, <laughs> yeah. and it never stopped. So it might feel a little played out by the end if that's what the whole series is going to be about. Right, 
but we'll see. Um, for all we know, the next game could sort of, uh, like, kind of cement us in one timeline uh -huh. and kind of close the Choose to be the, the various thing. possibility matrices. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, something, but yeah. <laughs> something I find hilarious that the game does with, uh, with this, like, fate question, right? The big part of the end of the game is, like, characters that died in the original are supposed to die here unless you can stop it from happening. And right. something that I think is just super convoluted and and like hilariously annoying is the way they do that with your your team your avalanche team in final fantasy 7 jesse biggs and wedge yeah. in the original hunter they all die right the, the all three the of sector them die. seven yes. plate crashes and you know that your team is gone and uh, it's, yeah it and kills it's a big all moment barrett shoots into the sky he's really pissed off all of that stuff uh in this one jesse and biggs die and Wedge survives. Uh, and, yes. and it's a tease. Does he? You think maybe he dies? And then he shows up at the end and he's alive. But then in some climactic moments, he dies anyways. So the twist, I don't know what that, I don't know what that says about the fate stuff. And then at the Wait, end, what? Wedge. What are you talking about? Wedge like falls off a thing again at the, at the end of the game. Doesn't he die? No. Wait, really? Does Wedge die again? So the jury is out is essentially the idea like wedge a, a thing happens to wedge at the end like he falls off of uh the the tower or whatever he falls off a shinra tower and it's like unclear what happened we don't see him again yeah but, but what's wild but what's wild is we do see biggs a character we just just like we definitively were like yes biggs and jesse yeah. are gone and it's just this weird like why are we <laughs> we're just like doing so many layers of like is it or isn't it or is it or isn't it like it i there's and it's a single moment of just like oh and and biggs is waking up in bed and i can't decide why it would even matter like it's just such a funny notion because, of like the things Matt, we're choosing to play with are just so inconsequential to no it is come on what? it's it's just about Aerith. it's all about Aerith. Uh -huh. all right and they wanted to end on that note yeah. because they want you to thinking about what is going to happen right. with Aerith. Right. That's all. Right. Like that it's it's so important they have to circle back to that idea on that because they know in the gap yep. this is what you're going to be thinking about. Right. Is are we gonna kill Aerith or not? It's the biggest twist of all the video games, essentially. Yeah. And, and they're saying we might undo it. And right. in fact, that's so important. We we're gonna leave you with the idea that we might undo it by right. saying, look, Biggs is alive. Yeah, yeah. Anybody, so, there, there are no rules. We so can do whatever we want now. What do you, I mean, what do you think? Can we just talk, can we spend some time talking about what, what is next? I want to hear predictions. Hunter predictions. Yeah, I want to hear Hunter's predictions. I think that they, uh, I think that the context by which Aerith dies will be different. Yeah. Like maybe but not I even in the that, same place. Like it might be a different scene that it happens in. That was my thinking is Aerith still dies, but it's like she's going to live past the scene she normally dies in and then just die somewhere else or whatever. Yeah, I think. Uh, no, I think it would be more like it, it. Imagine Aerith doesn't die, but then that is also kind of destroying everything like mm -hmm. that. Uh, almost like. Aerith dies again, but by her own volition. Uh -huh. She chooses it explicitly. Oh, right. In, she in must the original die. game, in the original game, she rushes off and she's like gung ho, mm -hmm. and then she dies as like a, a bad consequence. She's she's trying to save the world, but also like, you know, she shouldn't she shouldn't have run off on her own. Uh -huh. And it's kind of like, ah, oh, it's her 
her her can do attitude kind of yeah. like created this situation. I think what if uh what if it's more like well she doesn't die the same way, but then kind of chooses to give herself up for oh, the sake of the planet. Yeah, basically. I mean, what? There's an interesting push and pull. As we covered, Sephiroth and Aerith are both aware. They they know what the Whispers are doing, and they know about the hands of fate. And Aerith knows that as much as Sephiroth seems to. I mean, Aerith is, a, is like a mythical creature, basically. So there would be maybe an argument that in the future games... Aerith might have an incentive to make sure things happen as they once did, because in the original game, we won. And, and Sephiroth right. was defeated. So if Aerith yeah, that... has to die herself for the rest of the heroes to continue the journey, then then so so be it. It dramatically makes sense that Aerith would be trying to preserve the original game's timeline, mm -hmm. even though, and it's also it's a nobler, even more noble than the original game right. situation. Um, so that's what I think. But I think what will be even cooler than that yeah. is if they just killed Cloud instead. <laughs> I think that's what I actually want. Yeah. Here's the thing. If you had Zack... They're bringing that in sooner, right? Like, that's the thing, is in this game, Zack's already getting, like, more introduced. Right. There's room for it. Bring Zack in from an alternate universe, okay? So now we have Zack and Cloud existing at the same time. Zack is not dead. Kill Cloud... And then you've got Zack as your sort of cloud proxy uh -huh. and just have all the characters reflect on how cloud is dead. <laughs> that seems like more fun to me. And also, guess what? You know who's the weak link in the Final Fantasy VII party? It's cloud. He's yeah. boring. Right. He's boring. Right. I don't care about him. I care about everybody else. Kill if, him. If just you, kill him. <laughs> just kill him. If you accelerate, if, if Rebirth is like about a bunch of the cloud arc stuff. Like we spend all of remake with him getting these little flashes of things that happened. And mm -hmm. if we have Zach a part of this next game and we do all of the big cloud twists, like imagine they don't stretch it out over the entire course of all of everything. If cloud learns his big twist that he's not who he thinks he is and everything, if he just right. learns that before the halfway point of next game, and then he's dealing with that and he goes through all of his arc, there's nothing left for him to do, right? So I do think right. you're right that that is a possibility space at the very least. If they if they can put the pedal to the metal on the cloud story, then they can get rid of him and recontextualize right. the final act of the game of what if Aerith was still around and Cloud wasn't uh, for for right. the big for the big god battle stuff. Yeah, for the big god battle. Also, here's an even better idea. <laughs> even better, kill Cloud. Kill Zach too. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Kill them all. But uh, kill Cloud, and then from an alternate universe, <laughs> you get suddenly appears Cloud, <laughs> but in his costume from Kingdom Hearts One, where he has like gold, like a gold gauntlet and like a Vincent Valentine yeah. style like uh -huh. red cape, and uh -huh. he looks ridiculous. It's Kingdom Hearts Have Cloud, but like Kingdom literally, Hearts he Cloud. knows Mickey. He at some point he references my buddy Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about this? So Kingdom Hearts Cloud comes through the portal and he's evil, all right? Ooh. And he kills Advent Children Cloud in a duel. <laughs> and then he kills PlayStation 1 Toaster Hands Cloud. And his whole goal is to kill every cloud and for him to be the last cloud. Just a new game entirely now. And the how about the this? Third he game kills is... Sephiroth. <laughs> final boss of the, the Final Fantasy VII remake project is cloud from another universe uh -huh. with a with his gold gauntlet. Just from that one 
from the Hercules world on Kingdom Hearts 1. And yeah. that is the linchpin of the entire Final Fantasy VII Remake project is his appearance in Kingdom Hearts 1. Look it up, everybody. It's bogus. I, I prefer I prefer if you get the Cloud arc and then Sora is in the third act. The, th the third oh entry is just Sora. Cloud kills Goofy. Cloud kiss, kills the, Donald. The, the real tease, they have to get this one out. They're actually rushing. They are going to release Final Fantasy VII Rebirth on time because they have to get it out because, surprise, Kingdom Hearts 4 is Final Fantasy VII Reheart. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just Kingdom Hearts 4, colon, Final <laughs> Fantasy 7, colon, Reheart. Rekey. Rekey re Heart. I like Reheart. I think Reheart <laughs> is definitely it. Yeah, we do not know for sure yet whether Kingdom Hearts 4 and Final Fantasy 7, the third part, uh -huh. is the same project. And it easily could be, everybody. <laughs> It easily could be. So hopefully that's what happens. Yep. Uh, note our predictions forever. Uh, you know, like we we are definitely right about this one. We are not fooling around. It's yeah. not a joke. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, you know what sucks? We have to rank this game too. I like forgot that, that was easy. part of this show today. Ah, uh, come on, it's so easy. So we we have to we have to put this thing on our big list of eighty three other games. Today will be our eighty fourth game. Uh, I have just now realized that I haven't put this on my own list yet, uh, my own ranking. Um, so I'm just looking at my own stuff right now to s sort of get an idea. But Hunter, did you do you have kind of an idea of a place yep, to start? Yep. Of course, of course. I've done the homework. I'm ready. I've done uh, the homework. Where do you where do you feel we should sit? I I put it I I put it in a humorous position. <laughs> Uh, that I will reveal details about as we discuss. Uh, but <laughs> okay. for now, I will say I put it in the teens. In the teens. It's, I, it's here's what I know. I haven't placed me. it. Mine's mine's also in the teens. I loved this. Okay. This this has. Uh, I'm so fascinated about this project. Here's the way I would put it: the promise people felt about how Final Fantasy VII the original was, like the promise of it and what it would mean for video games. Um, obviously, that's a higher uh, a thing, a higher achievement. But what I feel for this game and the promise of what they hope to do with it, what they're attempting, it's riding really high for me. Now, the, yeah. the overall Final Fantasy VII Remake project could fall apart after this. That's totally possible. But yeah. right now, in 2023, before we yeah. know what Rebirth is... This is way up because it's like, God, it could be amazing. Like this could be the sort of one of the best stories told in video games for me. Like it, that that's how I genuinely feel about it right now is like this is the coolest thing a video game has chosen to do in what feels like a, a, a quite a long time. So, yeah, we have to be in the teens here. Uh, so let's yeah, should, well, should we just sort of read out our, our teens to sort of and go from there. Yeah, the teens are a mess, sure, by the way. Of course. Uh, the teens are really tough. Yeah. Um, so 11, number, well, our number 10 is Metal Gear Solid 2. Our number 11 is Katamari Damacy. Number 12, Quake. Number 13, Raw Danger. Number 14, Metal Gear Solid. Number 15, Doom. Number 16, Hyper Light Drifter. Number 17, Halo Combat Evolved. Number 18, Yakuza Kiwami. Number 19, Eco. And number 20, Papers, Please. Yeah. Uh, 
There's a I don't lot. know where to start. There's a lot of madness in there because there's a handful of games. There's no way I would put Final Fantasy VII above them, and those games are below games I would easily put Final Fantasy VII above. So yeah, so we uh, are we we are at an impasse here. Yeah. Uh, like yeah, it's it's it is definitely the the ten spot that where there's the most disagreement between uh, you and I. Yeah. I keep forgetting that Quake is above Doom on our shared <laughs> list. I mean, that's just insane to me. We ignore that. that no, we agreed that's to ignore insane. that. There yeah, is no right. number 12. Right. There is no number 12, okay? There's no number 12. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, I'll, so I'll open with something, because I want to talk about, like, I think it's more fair if we if we kind of kill our own darlings here. Mm-hmm. I like Final Fantasy VII Remake more than I like Yakuza Kiwami. Fun. Uh, and okay. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. They both have vibes of each other, actually. They're both kind of, they're great uh, kind of modern Japanese role-playing games that have a lot of, like, heart, and they're very, it's all about the characters. Um, but I can tell that the Yakuza series has more to offer than Kiwami. Kiwami is a little bit indebted to the past, and it has some, like, clunkiness. It has some side some side stories that haven't aged so well. Um, and Final Fantasy VII Remake is taking an old thing and making it brand spanking new and goes completely off the rails at the right. end in a way that even that that makes kiwami blush you know yeah and that game has a really bogus ending <laughs> so i mean like yakuza or uh i almost called it yakuza remake uh, <laughs> final fantasy 7 remake brings so much to the table that it it, it is introducing new uh, story threads, new possibilities for the Final Fantasy franchise that I've never witnessed before. Right. And Yakuza Kiwami is, you know, you know, uh, polishing the dirt off of uh, an older game so that you can experience it now, but yeah. it is not the cutting edge of its franchise. Right. Um, so I would put Final Fantasy VII Remake above Yakuza Kiwami. No, no question, no problem for me. Yeah, it's it's a bolder remake than Yakuza Kiwami. I mean, we I look a couple spots above that, and like to me, Hyperlight Drifter is on the table. Like, I I don't have an issue with Final Fantasy VII remake going above Hyperlight Drifter. Um, yeah, to, to me, Hyperlight Drifter is like a beautiful game that feels really good, but. Final Fantasy VII, A, felt really good, honestly, for me, like, kind of the whole time. I mean, I had little hang-ups with right. just, like, in the back-end materia stuff, but the actual arcade playing the game is is really solid, and it's just this whole experiment on top of it. Like, I'm just so fascinated by kind of the bigger things uh, being attempted with it. So, like, I think we are at least above Hyperlight Drifter, which which means we get into sort of, like, really dangerous doom well, metal gear solid I, territory i want to talk about why it would be above hyperlight drifter because i don't i don't i don't like the idea of it just being like oh matt is just compromising here <laughs> because really what it is is hyperlight drifter doom and metal gear solid yeah are like a chunk of game mm-hmm. that is very out of sync with us yeah. as individuals right where it's sure. like our our different takes have made them come down here in one big uh, chunk right um to me raw danger is actually where you kind of start to get back into like a scenario of like this is looking closer yeah to like i think raw danger is number 15 on my list is 13 rnrs together yeah. yeah um quake is another weird one but metal gear solid doom and hyperlight drifter so metal gear solid and doom are both in my top 10 doom is in my top five hyperlight drifter is in your top five yeah um at least yes um do we want to have the Final Fantasy VII remake 
float above that entire chunk or is like this like should we break these up mm. a little bit i i mean like i feel okay with it floating above the chunk honestly um and and in fact for for a big portion of my list it's yeah, it's above the other two for me, basically, but it is it is obviously below Hyperlight Drifter for my kind of personal right. thing. You know, okay, here, here's something that might I want to point out. I want to I want to ask this question uh, because I don't think it's going to come up. Like, I don't think we're going as high as number ten with Final Fantasy VII remake. But like, I was having the thought of how does this differ from Metal Gear Solid Two? Right? They have a really similar. Uh, mm, sensibility yeah. to them whereas Metal Gear right. Solid 2 is like very recently after Metal Gear it's not actually like living in the decades long shadow sure. of its own import but yeah. it is like Metal Gear Solid was a big deal and we're essentially remaking it but not like it's way more uh, baked in the idea that this is also a different game whereas like you know, re I don't know. They're just interesting to me that they are like so similar yeah. but different. So they both have like meta aspects to them, right? right they right. both have like almost like looking, like kind of breaking the fourth wall and looking at the situation of like of what it means to talk to do a game again uh -huh. to to essentially be like, well, we're they're both. You know, Metal Gear Solid Two is a sequel and a remake. Yeah. Although I'd say it's more sequel than remake, right. and then Final Fantasy Seven is more remake than sequel. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say they both they they do have a lot in common. What's funny is that on my list, I ranked them right next to each other. Mm. I find them to be maybe similar levels of quality, which maybe like for the audience makes them realize like, dang. Hunter really likes Final Fantasy VII Remake if he thinks it's just as good as Metal Gear Solid 2. Yeah. I, in fact, think it's one better. I put yeah. Final Fantasy VII Remake as my number 11. Metal Gear Solid 2 is my number 12. Hunter, can I be upfront uh, about something? I think it's time yeah. I think it's time for me to reveal. I I put Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, substantially higher than I think I even expected myself to put it. Um, yeah. I, I'm... I'm so fascinated by the game uh, and what it could mean. I'm I'm so honed in on the promise right now of Final Fantasy right. VII. I'm so just like in my head, the the next game is obviously going to be great, even mm -hmm. though the question is there. No, I know the question yeah. should be there, but I'm riding the high of like that yeah, was great, right. and it's this is it's all promise. It's all wonderful stuff. So i think this might freak you out i put final fantasy 7 remake as my number seven personally my seventh weird yeah that's really weird <laughs> uh I, that's that's awfully high that's like i'm just feeling like super good about it i don't know how else to like sort of uh hone in on on that i like that sense the it, it, there's okay. just something yeah. in my head that's like i i really Again, it comes back to what I said earlier. The fact that I, like, put the <laughs> pedal to the metal on actually, like, sticking with this game and the number of right. hours it required and the amount of time right. I had for it, like, is a testament to I I had the, the raw desire to push right. through that. And, it, and, and I felt like I was rewarded for that. Like, it, it felt like it hit all the, the highs of everything. So, yeah, yeah. It, I mean, I, so for me... We could go like 
kind of as high as you want <laughs> you know what i mean that's i guess that's where mm. i'm coming at it is like don't that be afraid of me don't be afraid of me i'm good <laughs> yeah i mean yeah if you're saying it's number seven on your list i mean that's so crazy that you ranked it higher than i did on mine but uh <laughs> but yeah well i mean so one thing i will say that i think makes it a really interesting experience and why i was so happy for you to play it is because oftentimes on this show it feels like we play a lot of games where you haven't done the homework yeah. of being a, a loser your whole life. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like of actually having something right. to do on this planet. Yeah. Um, so I haven't, you know what I mean? It's just been, can I make it to the comedy show at 8 PM? And I'll be like, well, I got all day to make it there. You know what I mean? So, so, and you know, and then all this podcasting stuff happened and that's ruined my life, but everything else has just been video games yeah. for the whole time without stopping. Right. No, no great pauses in it. And so that's, I'm 33 years old. And so that's been 33 years. I mean, I, I, and I started before I even could form memories. So right. it's not even so much a hobby at this point. It's more like an obligation, but yeah. I will say I liked that this was a way for us to go to not even just a video game, but a Japanese role-playing game mm -hmm. of which you have pre precious little experience. Right. But it was one where you had done the homework. Right. That's what I was obsessed yeah, with yeah. for right. it. Right. It was one where Matt has a lot of the context needed yeah. to get this. Right. And the fact that we were right, I feel like we should celebrate that right. a little bit. Yeah. I don't know how, I don't, I would, I mean, obviously, I said that I gave, I would give the edge to Final Fantasy VII Remake over Metal Gear Solid 2, which would put it as our new number 10, Jeez. and I am comfortable with that, if you want. <laughs> uh, it is so, I mean, the idea of a list where, where is Final Fantasy VII on our list? I don't even know where it lives. Oh, Final 27. Fantasy VII is our number 27. Yeah. And then this would be our our number ten. Yeah, here, here's the way it feels. Final Fantasy Seven down to number twenty eight. Well, and, and that's why I do think we have to find something meeting in the middle a little bit more. But I I will say for me having it be so high, I think part of the idea to to longtime fans of Final Fantasy Seven, I would compare perhaps your experience is like yeah this game is Final Fantasy Seven remake right yeah. like it's it's the remake is a big part of that for your experience of like, I'm reliving this right. thing. And for me, it almost felt more like this is final fantasy seven remake, right. like whatever. But like, this yeah. was the first time the love of final fantasy seven got to bake itself in my oven. <laughs> like I, I finally, okay. I got to, you know, grasp the beats and elements that everybody sure. really loved about that game. Um, and so, uh, if if my love of it is surprising people, I think it's like uh, a little bit. Imagine the first time you played Final Fantasy VII in in 1998 or whatever, mm -hmm. and uh, I think I have a fraction of that kind of stupor and wonder. That hype. <laughs> uh, yeah, that hype about it. Um, yeah. Well, I think that I mean honestly, then I think number ten sounds good to me. You want because to it's do number that? eleven on my list? Yeah. So all it is is you're dragging me up one. Right. I'm not prepared to talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake versus Grim Fandango nope. or versus Super Smash Brothers Melee. Yeah. Or sure. versus getting over it with Bennett Foddy. Yeah. But I could talk. I could say definitively that we are for some reason going to give. I thought on my own list that I was being a little bit cheeky, saying <laughs> Final Fantasy VII Remake is a little bit better than Metal Gear Solid Two. I, I'll say this. 
I bet as the remake project continues, yeah, this could change. The overall opinion of of these individual games will they will affect each other yeah. as yes. they come out. I well, that's my favorite thing about our list is an acceptance that things can shuffle later given new context yeah. or whatever i mean it's like we're waiting for that to happen with quake right in fact we have right. some we have some people who listen to the show that are like can you please just move quake so you'll shut up about it and it's like hey i get yeah. it yeah i we but we have our there are laws okay for the ota <laughs> we get to change it once a year and that's it uh yeah. we have to it's it's funnier to reckon with some of our weird decisions hey. With great power comes great responsibility, <laughs> Uncle Ben once told me. Okay, so, and this is a great power. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are, we are podcasters. Mm -hmm. I understand, mm -hmm. you know, this wasn't easy to do. This, this was a, a, a gift given to us for us to be podcasters. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And it's we were definitely not something less talented people just kind of fall into right. like a gutter. Right. You know what I mean? No, I mean, it's listen, we we best. were anonymously mailed a copy of the old Gamers Almanac uh, uh, some time ago. Yeah. And we mm -hmm. th this is just the, the you know, it's our burden. We and someday when we die, yes. uh, it will transport itself from our living room and end up in somebody else's mailbox. And there's no way, right. you know, it's just a, it's a form of reincarnation cages so, it yeah. will end up in cages mailbox <laughs> we are we, this is all training for cages <laughs> is really what it is um okay uh, all right so there you go final fantasy 7 remake is our new number 10 yeah one better um, than metal so. gear solid remake the first time before we get an actual metal gear solid remake whatever yeah, that one might better be better than metal gear solid 2 a masterpiece classic <laughs> of like one of the most noteworthy games here's, ever made. Well, but okay, so here's the sense then. Like what 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 we're saying on the list is if the remake project is successful, would history not say Final Fantasy 7 remake is will become a like a mainstay classic, right? Like is that does that feel know. possible to you if the re if if they maintain the promise and and accomplish everything else? To me, yes. Like to me, I when I hear other people talk about Final Fantasy VII Remake like everyone was astounded that it yeah. was what it was and succeeded at being that. You know, I, I never heard anybody be like, oh, I'm going to roll my eyes at this thing. It was like, no, this is this is wild. You know how. So let's go back to the core, like beginnings of the show. You know how Mass Effect 1 came out and people were like, wow, this is really exciting. Uh -huh. And then Mass Effect 2 mm -hmm. was like a huge upgrade as far as like they obviously took a lot of notes, right. fixed a lot of mistakes, and then kind of improved themselves. Well, Final Fantasy VII Remake is a lot tighter than Mass Effect 1. Yeah. And if it is able to improve on itself yeah. to a similar degree, yeah, the whole series might go down as like being like, wow, this was a really great project, and yeah. like these games are all really, really good, and we might see more like visionaries. Yeah. Or <laughs> the next game could be a mess, yeah. could be way clunkier, uh -huh. way more full of air. Like, yeah. I'll say this. Like, let's go ahead and imagine the dark timeline. Yeah, yeah, of course. So the whole philosophy of Final Fantasy VII Remake is we're going to take all of the Midgar section and we're going to kind of flesh it out, yeah. add a lot of detail to it. Um, and to me, it was, it was good detail, which is why I liked it. Uh, now they actually maybe have too much game ahead yeah, of them right so they've established like this is a game that moves at about this pace yeah the next game has so much to cover yeah and in 
a fidelity that they've established as being quite high. So like it, it needs to look good, right? Otherwise right. it will be weird if it looks so bad. Also it's PS5 exclusive yeah. out the gate. So it's got the horsepower of the PlayStation 5. But as far as like amount of environments, just that, like just listing that, let's ignore everything else. Just yep. environments to cover. It's kind of too much. Yeah. To me. It doesn't, like, again, it doesn't make any sense that it's coming out as soon as it was. Like nobody expected the part yeah, two yeah, to be within yeah. even like seven years. That is <laughs> a little first. weird. <laughs> and so I don't know what that means. There are a lot of like, perhaps they've made smart decisions here. Like, for example, I know it would make fans really upset, but I would kind of just, I would cut stuff. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. And that cutting would drive me and a lot of people insane. But I think the level of quality that the, the first entry set was pretty high and i would prefer that level of quality be yeah. maintained right instead of it being like here's the second game it's got a lot more stuff but it's kind of not yeah. as good right it's just less like like it's quantity and not quality well and and the big question is what are they giving themselves permission to do right they've set up this whole right. hook that seems to be like i mean literally the reason the promise feels so high is this first game changed a couple of really honestly inconsequential things right by the end of the game the things that were different weren't a huge deal or haven't proven to be a huge deal yet and the notion is that they're going to butterfly effect from here potentially and it's that's the question is what did the writers of final fantasy 7 remake give themselves permission to do in final fantasy 7 rebirth is it like what you're saying. Oh, we could make some cuts because we've given ourselves permission to skip around. Even if it's like a cut for now. You know what I mean? Like, let's say we just cut Gold yeah. Saucer entirely. There's no Gold Saucer. Oh my God. But listen, I can't believe you. No, no, no. But listen, 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 to, listen to my pitch. What if they're like delaying uh, Kate Sith, Katsu, however I'm supposed to pronounce Ketchy. it. Ketchy. Yeah. Uh, what if they're like delaying Ketchy's introduction until later and they're sort of gonna reshuffle things around a bit and so then like more big deal gold saucer stuff doesn't come in until the third entry or whatever I don't I mean I'm just saying there might be some of that where they're like you know not bringing in you know what we would consider big deal characters until yeah. a different point what I, I am speaking for both games when I say that I think there's too much left yes at the level of quality right I, I'm I'm saying in yeah. two games right unless unless they're gonna each be like gigantic like 100 hour games mm -hmm. but then you know what i like about Final Fantasy 7 remake is it's a 30 to 40 hour experience and i would say it feels like it's a fleshed out good 30 to yes, 40 hour experience sure. and i'm and i'm good with the other two parts yeah. being like kind of like that and i have a feeling like you they know, won't it's really it really it really reeks of Man, seasons one to four of Game of Thrones are such a f wonderful, faithful adaptation. Yeah. And the things yeah. they changed were so smart and well considered. Really smart. And then seasons seven and eight, there's way too much stuff they have to do. And they spent yeah. an entire episode yeah. fighting in the dark instead or whatever. Like, it, yeah, mm -hmm. there definitely could be like a an amount of, yeah, we just we we completely skipped over uh critical chunks or whatever or right. or just or just burn through things in a way that ceased making sense i don't know yeah i mean if 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 you have to set the pace really high to like blitz through all of this stuff right that might not feel good either yep. is really the thing right um 
and thinking about the different chapters of Final Fantasy VII going forward, uh, there's there's some obvious stuff that can be cut. I think we even talked about it earlier, but like the Chocobo Ranch, sure, that could go. Yep. Maybe Fort Condor could kind of go. Mm-hmm. Everything else is pretty much. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot. Yeah. I don't know how, how much of the rest of it you can cut. Yeah, you could cut. Uh, what is it? There's that village that is optional in the game. Obviously, yeah, you can yeah. cut optional stuff. But like, you can't. It feels like they've made Wu Tai a bigger deal, right? Like Wu Tai oh, yeah. in the original is. Wu-tai a, I cuttable. did not ever do Wu Tai. Yeah. They could have cut yeah. it, and instead, in remake, they've spent all this time being like, oh, the yeah. war with no. Wu Tai is a super big deal, and we're yeah. definitely going to be addressing it later. <laughs> definitely gonna have to go there. So that's <laughs> insane. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just don't know how you fit all. I mean, it's like it's like if the first game is like a like mass effect size like i feel like comparisons to mass effect are really apt because it's like it's a tighter structure the second game is like a dragon quest size where it's like whoa (laughs) this is insanely long with many many different environments how are we and dragon quest does it by having everything be kind of goofy childlike like here's just this big open plane with like enemies sitting on top of it and like that's not gonna work yeah. for the game we've already played. In theory, I mean, what all do we need to do in Rebirth, right? I, I would actually like to play in this space a little bit. We, Ooh, ha- yeah. we have to properly introduce, I mean, we have introduced Ketchy uh, to a certain extent. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. that's been the weirdest tease for someone who sure. wouldn't hit, like, oh, I'll say this, uh, in the question of what should you play, I do, I for me it is settled now that you should play Final Fantasy VII, then you should play Remake. Then you yes. should play seven again. Then you should play Reaper. <laughs> like I, I, oh, okay. I, I think, <laughs> I think the whole thing is so fascinating. But yeah, you they they need to introduce Ketchy. They need to introduce Sid. I think you and I both maybe agree that like Vincent is probably DLC, just like Yuffie yeah. was DLC in yeah, this put one. Yeah, off. Um, put and off. and uh, to what con to what extent Yuffie shows up in Rebirth is I don't I mean I you, you weren't able to play the DLC yet, so we don't necessarily know what all. I mean, they but did they've already her. got her designed like right. as far as like she's already fleshed out combat wise sure. so i mean like she she can definitely be in the game yeah. to a certain extent and it not be like a huge lift or whatever right. um we have to yeah, do I mean, some I think, major I, character work with red and barrett yeah and yeah. and Aerith. i mean i mean, everybody's got character stuff you know all throughout but it's like yeah it feels like cloud and tifa am i wrong in saying they don't have as much to do in this middle chunk they, they their stuff comes up more there's later. the nibbleheim chapter yeah, and obviously you can't cut that that's already even been established yeah, yeah. like we've already even got and then that. supposedly we're also just introducing zach as some sort of character there's just yeah so there's... like what what is how is this game like i feel like you know what here's a here's this wouldn't surprise me at all is if you get to the second game and you play through it and you're like it's it is like the the first game and you're like wow this is a really high level of detail and then you hit around 50 hours and you're like just getting to rocket town <laughs> and then the game ends in rocket town and you're like whoa what and then and then they're like the end, it's a six game like, project we might have to do we might have to do more games <laughs> so that's <laughs> not really we may have messed up actually so that, that's another apt game of thrones thing then is yeah this was gonna be three books and then it was five books and now it's seven books and everyone's like it's not seven books is it george it's nine books right buddy come on it's nine books and you're never Ever gonna finish them let's be right. real it's nine books and you've already run out of time but i don't want to be dark about it but that it is just and you know what i love george because george is a, the perfect example of a guy out there just living his dream yeah and everyone is like won't you do the thing that we like that we need you to do it's like dude the story of george yeah. is that he wanted to make television yes he exactly. wanted to work in tv yep 
he didn't want to be an author right uh, that's lame that was the backup plan that turned yeah, around his, <laughs> his backup plan was to write books and then he got to be a tv boy yep like just let him he's living his right? best life yep write your own ending to game of thrones right because honestly at this point that's what that's all you'll have yeah well and also he's proven and maybe this is also apt for final fantasy 7 remake he has proven like he's really good at letting stories just balloon outwards and outwards and outwards he's never right. once proved he knows how to pull pieces back together like that's yeah. not how his books work Absolutely. man they do not realign in meaningful ways they just keep introducing more characters to fill gaps he's unable to, to fill or whatever the first couple yeah. books are so tight it's like seven point of view characters and then you get to dance with dragons and it's like uh 30 i don't know man everybody gets a chapter melisandre gets a chapter you get a chapter hey yeah. how are you doing over there you want a chapter you can have you want one. a chapter you're gonna have a chapter you got a chapter okay we need we need your your you know you're some local color for, for for the for the rag uh i feel like george the thing about writing yeah and and this does apply to final fantasy 7 because they've kind of gone you know spoilers but they've gone with this whole approach of possibly changing the ending yep and having the context shift is that a lot of i feel like the practice in writing is stuff like conflict yeah. and character right and uh just kind of sustaining a story right but writing an ending <laughs> i'm not really sure that's something you even have to know how to do <laughs> like in order to be successful uh -huh. you know what i mean like i feel like a lot of, like like Succession, for example. We're like two episodes yep. from Succession being over. Yep. And I am watching it being like, I don't know what the ending What are we be. doing? Yeah, we have and two I episodes left and what's happening? <laughs> I almost feel like I'm like, I just love these people. Yeah. I love these actors. Right. I love these performances. And I am feeling like in a weird way, and maybe I'll, pre maybe I'll predict something right now. I don't know. Um, but I feel like however it ends... I don't know that I actually care. Yeah. I just care about them. <laughs> the worst parts of this new season of Succession, I love that we're just talking about like different TV shows at the end of this. The worst parts of this season of Succession is like anything to do with the broader plot. And the yeah. best scenes are we sat these two characters down and we're like, you two have to hash out your shit right now. Yes, you just have to yes. work. You have to work through this in some context. And it's like, cool. Just more of that. Like, I don't need any plot development this season. I just like the ones where the people are really living their relationship. <laughs> and it's sad. It's sad that things have to have an ending, though. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Because that ending might sit weird with you. Yeah, yeah. I think about, like, I think Succession... Here's... All right, I'll, I'll, I'll put my money where my mouth is. I'm going to predict Succession, the ending of Succession might feel somewhat in common with the ending of another show called The Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because it's a similar thing, right? Yeah, We're watching yeah. horrible people. Yeah. That, but we love them for some reason. Mm -hmm. These horrible people can't really change. I mean, not really. No. If they get over it, then what is the point? Yeah. And also, they're not redeemable right. people. We can't redeem them. Right. So, like, what is the ending supposed to be? It's yeah. not Game of Thrones. I don't care who sits on the Iron Throne. Right. I don't it care. It doesn't matter. I don't care who succeeds in succession. I just... Right. <laughs> I want them I all to hurt. I want them all yeah. to feel suffering. So... So I don't know how's that... Like, if, if anything, <laughs> I think the ending of succession should have been... They, they've already messed it up. Yeah. The ending of succession should have been 
that they have to keep doing the show forever and they can't stop <laughs> until it's horrible. That should have been the ending of Succession. <laughs> and Eight instead seasons. they're doing... Yeah, it should have been nine, ten, eleven yeah. seasons till we were just like, till we stopped watching. Yeah. No one know. It should have been that no one knows the ending of Succession because everyone quit. Yeah, they couldn't stand to hang out with these people <laughs> any longer. They grew out of it, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> but instead, they're getting some sort of ending. Anyways, that's been our podcast been about our Final Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Old Gamers Almanac is produced by Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson with music by Knight Corey. If you liked our little show, consider giving us a five-star rating or heading over to patreon.com slash oldgamersalmanac.